0: This is the dawning of the Dead and Lovely Podcast. The Dead and Lovely Podcast. (laughs) Why don't we leave you in charge
1: of the intros more often?
0: (laughs) That was a good one, I think. That's really good. We did it.
1: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh. Welcome, lovely listeners, to Dead and Lovely, your absolute favorite horror movie, Review podcast in all of the land featuring the host with the most it's me uncle ben and who's that other fella that singing handsome motherfucker i got on the other end of this line here
0: why it's me hollywood steven spratling oh sorry there was a question mark mark there there was a question mark at the end of my i'm sorry (laughs) you guys know that we write everything we say heavily scripted heavily scripted (laughs) how you doing today there steve Man, I'm doing great. Had a, a great week. I guess it's been a little more than a week since the last time we recorded, but um, been uh, been enjoying myself. Not, uh, not getting a whole lot of work done, but uh, getting a whole lot of movie watching done, so mm. that's always fun. I like that. As we record this, we are a
1: scant few days away from Christmas 2017. Um, and I'll tell you what, Steve, I cannot fucking believe how quickly this Christmas season has blown by. It's something that's been kind of yeah. like on my mind over the past several weeks, but it's like, I felt like when we had Thanksgiving, I was like, man, this is going to be a good slow burn, relaxing Christmas season. Yeah. Total bullshit. It's been nonstop
0: insanity. Well, I think the uh, the Roy Moore stuff and the, the, <laughs> the, FC- yeah, the FCC stuff, the fact oh, that fuck. they passed a terrible tax plan, the fact that donald trump may have by the time this comes out already fired robert mueller who has uh, (laughs) so much evidence to take him down that it's ridiculous um i'll tell you what though steve i'm glad
1: about this net neutrality business because i was so tired of personally i know know like so many other people in america just Uh spending so much time making these phone calls every week saying hey I'm tired of this net neutrality business.
0: It's got to change. Listen, I am so tired of this. You know what I hate? I hate the fact that I can access any websites I want for no additional fee. It's insane. I get that out of here. I really hated that it was like the
1: one destination on planet fucking Earth where the rich people didn't have the advantage. I hated that
0: yeah it was the worst it was you know what's real great uh, is uh, the logic that many people had that well Obama instituted it the internet worked just fine before that you know why obama instituted those rules because the isps had just figured out wait a second we could be charging people more money for fast lanes yeah that's why that rule didn't exist before that because they hadn't figured it out yet you fucking
1: ass also maybe take a step back and notice that during the time period where net neutrality was introduced the internet Uh, grew and expanded and was more profitable than ever
0: yeah well you know what's gonna be real fun is uh (laughs) when you know i I, I imagine we have a pretty decent amount of listeners There are podcasts with tons of listeners as well uh all of you out there listening to podcasts right now think about this you might have to pay a podcast fee in the future Where you have to pay extra just to listen to podcasts. And you know what that means. Podcasters have to pay extra just to post a podcast. And now all of a sudden, fewer podcasts and your tinnitus is just going crazy. Oh, Lord, you can't be dealing with that. But, you know,
1: (laughs) I was just just really getting tired. I would call them up about, I'd say once every week and be like, listen, Uh guys, I'm poor. Yeah, Nobody should be listening to me. No one And you know <laughs> and you know those people are gonna be so stoked whenever they're going through and they're checking out maybe our Twitter feeds or our podcast and they're like, you know who uh-huh. should not have fair internet access? Uncle Ben and Hollywood <laughs> Steve because they yeah. fucking hate all this shit.
0: Yeah, they do. They hate that shit.
1: It's fucking it's <laughs> fucking garbage, man. And and like I said, yes, I realize that Net neutrality is a new concept and stuff like that, I know. But the Mm -hmm. thing is, is why in the fuck would they want to change it and repeal it if they didn't have plans on changing it?
0: Well, Ben, they did promise that they had no plans on on changing it. So, like... And Ajit Pai put out that really relevant and fuck humorous that video that made yeah, it look like Yeah, it was like, so funny. Dude, yeah. he's so
1: relevant. Like, he's hip. Yeah. He fucking, he did, the, he did the Harlem Shake. He knows yeah. what's up. Yeah,
0: and he, he wasn't doing that uh, as a troll. He wasn't doing that knowing, like, fuck you you can't do a goddamn thing you could all send uh letters to your congress people 320 million people could send a letter to their congress people saying we want net neutrality but i've got the decision so fuck you that's exactly what he was saying with that stupid fucking video
1: yeah exactly right exactly fucking right man it is truly truly loathsome and disgusting in every way possible I mean, yeah. the, the public poll said something like 83% of all America. That mm-hmm. means so many, you know, red shirts and blue shirts. This is not a party fucking yeah. issue.
0: Yeah. Though more Republicans did support uh, getting rid of net neutrality well, than of Democrats. Well, it's yeah. because
1: fucking Ajit Pai fucking name dropped Obama in the video.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's all you got to do. You got to like if if somebody had figured out a new way to kill people using Wi-Fi signals and Obama had established a rule saying you couldn't do that, people would want that reversed. Yeah, absolutely like so. those same because because he's black. I mean, they can pretend it's mm-hmm. for any other reason, but it was because he was black. Yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. And we we still have a lot going on. There's definitely going to be some some lawsuits and stuff trying to get it fixed. And they're uh, definitely going good politicians out there that are probably going to work towards making a law, just establishing net neutrality as a law. So it can't be just voted away by the FCC. Sure. But, you know, we got we to gotta support it. We got to do everything we can to make sure that those people know that's what we want. No kidding, man. Because like I said, as of now, the internet
1: is the only place where yep. if a fucking poor-ass broke person has a good idea, it is just as valid as a yep. fucking rich-ass person. Yep. It's the only place. I mean it's like that doesn't happen in the real world. You know what I mean?
0: But we we can always I mean it's it would be a ridiculous effort. But the internet that currently exists is not the only internet that could exist.
1: Yeah, no. We just
0: have to create a new internet and say, okay, fine, you guys do that. That's why (laughs) I'm waiting for the fucking Elon Musk Tesla net, you know? Yeah. Like, just create a new internet and say, yeah, you guys do whatever with your tiered packages over there. Like, the problem is always going to be, and it always has been, that rich people, no matter how rich they get, Get mad when they notice that Poor people are still having fun Yeah, no And they, kidding, they are right? not They have all the money in the world and they're still not Happy and they're still not having fun This is not I'm not going to give you uh, Listeners any of this bullshit like Well you can be happy without money Yeah you can but like money Makes it easier but it The does. people who tend to have money Oftentimes, we're never happy, and the money makes them even less happy, and then they look at poor people still having fun, and they just want to ruin it. They just want to take it away. Right. Misery loves company. Yeah, misery loves company. So, like, all we have to do all the time is just set up a new club. Like, (laughs) like each time, it's going to piss them off. Something new will piss them off uh until finally we take up arms and and fight them as they've been fighting us for centuries and we just pretend like there's not some class war constantly going on where the rich are trying to starve us out and let us die of of diseases that are easily curable um and we constantly pretend like for some reason in our heads we pretend that they are not trying to kill us but they are right so fuck them fuck them f F them in the a steve F-O-M-N-A. Damn it. I'm going to be
1: optimistic. I'm going to be hopeful that somebody somewhere in the government has a fucking spine and will stand up to this and say, hey, this isn't a good idea. I uh, I mean, I really, 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 really doubt it. And yeah. <laughs> I wish that the good people of the world, you know, myself and yourself included,
0: yeah. Weren't
1: so busy doing things like creating art and playing guitars and writing scripts and stuff like this. Well, then yeah. they would be like, you know what? Maybe I could help society if I helped run society. But unfortunately yeah. it's always the fucking assholes that say, Hey, you know who should run the show?
0: Fucking me. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fucking dummies who are like, Yeah, he's got money. We'll get money if we vote for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. Maybe he'll give me some. That's yeah, always that's happened how in that works. the past.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> jesus christ man well on the bright side steve i've been watching yeah. some uh i've been watching some stuff this week that i have enjoyed i've been watching a few holiday classics again this will this will come out after christmas but as we record it it is christmas time right now yeah i watched one of my favorite i think highly underrated christmas flicks the other night i watched the family stone have you ever seen that
0: I have never seen the family stone, but, um, it does, does it, uh, it has, what's her name in it?
1: It has a million people. It's got Diane Lane in it. It's got Claire Danes. Diane Lane.
0: That's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. Diane Lane.
1: Claire Danes, Rachel McAdams. It's got okay. Rupert Everett. It's got Luke uh-huh. Wilson. Okay. I mean, it has a fuck ton of people in it. It is just a, uh, oh, it's also got fucking coach. Craig T. Nelson oh, yeah.
0: Craig, T. Nails- Craig yeah. T. Nelson by the way I don't know if you've ever read this quote of his uh, I was a struggling actor I was on uh, welfare and food stamps and nobody helped me <laughs> Yeah Yeah I think that yeah. we helped you Craig <laughs> Yeah you fucking ass Anyway It is a really really
1: really good movie though man it's it's like it's so close to being like borderline hallmark movie like really sappy like all almost ridiculously pc at times like there is a okay there is a gay couple in the movie that is uh-huh. biracial and one of them is deaf
0: say what i know it's <laughs> that, like that sounds like an 80s mcdonald's commercial <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like really pushing it but
1: at the same time man like it is so well scripted and enjoyably acted and very humanly portrayed and stuff. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a really sweet movie, man. It's very bittersweet. It's got some sad stuff in there too, but I really dig it, man. It's a really, it's really cool watch. I've also been watching, um, as I mentioned on previous episode during the holidays, I like to watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Hell yeah. And I'll tell you, it's really goddamn run away from me, man. Cause I, I watched, I think I watched, uh, the first one, like the day after Thanksgiving or something. And then the other night, I was drunkenly up really late filling out Christmas Mm -hmm. cards. Uh Uh-huh. And I decided to try finishing the second one. Still haven't fucking finished the second one. Holy shit. I know. I'm sad with myself right now. Veloc. (laughs) Speak the name, friend. Melon.
0: (laughs) Melon. um so i've also been watching some some christmas uh stuff yeah i I watched rare exports the other day i mentioned it uh last week i think rare exports is so awesome uh i would still have trouble uh giving a synopsis of what the movie is Mm -hmm. um but basically santa claus is evil uh, and that, that, I think I said that last week and it, in my mind when I say that that makes it so much cheaper than it is because like the movie is so fucking good um, I really just watching it again was I think it's the third time I've seen it I was just like this is a perfect Christmas movie well kind of going back to my you
1: know my, my things where we talked about our, our childhood fears that would probably be right up my alley as I was terrified of Santa Claus as a kid
0: well that um that makes sense though uh he is in close quarters the little kid is in close quarters with his family Mm -hmm. and he's not worried about them eating him okay there is that okay that's good yeah so it's a little different than young (laughs) man is
1: is snuffleupagus anywhere in there
0: no i don't think so but i mean you know maybe an easter egg in the background (laughs) that's cool i also uh, rewatched krampus um awesome. i watched both of these my my wife and i were hanging out with um a couple of our friends and and we watched these um krampus still good um yeah it's awesome it was fun i i really like the toys in it they're like the best part by far
1: i know and dude that little that little stop motion sequence in the middle with the grandmother's like flashback it's so cool man i like that's You know, it's simultaneously a movie for fans of horror and fans of Christmas movies. It really is.
0: Yeah. Now, for fans of uh, drinking and Irish people, I recommend this movie that I've seen (laughs) a couple times. It's called Grabbers. I don't know that. Grabbers is about uh, these alien uh, tentacled creatures and they uh, don't like alcohol. And so to not get killed by them, you have to stay drunk.
1: Awesome. (laughs) I'm on board with this,
0: man. Yeah, it's awesome. I I love the movie. It it has a few recognizable faces, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's really super Irish. So keep your your (laughs) subtitles on if you want to know
1: what's happening. (laughs) Awesome, man. Awesome. You know, I did happen to go to the theaters the other day and see a it's kind of a, it's kind of an underground, independent movie. You know, it's not. Matador. It, well, it's not, it's not even that big budget. You know, Hollywood. Oh, okay.
0: Okay. Disaster artist. Well, was that
1: it? it's, it's, it's a movie. Maybe, maybe you'd heard something about it. I don't know. Probably mm-hmm. not, but.
0: Oh, uh, Lady Bird. Yeah.
1: Um, no, no, it's, it's again, a little more obscure than that.
0: It was called The Last Jedi Oh, I thought that was pronounced Jedi, the Uh, last Jedi. No, uh, -uh, no. Well, I went and saw it too, but I mean, I mean, the whole time they were saying it, I I was hearing Jedi. I don't know.
1: Now, again, when this comes out, this will be maybe a week or two after Last Jedi has come out, so I, I think it's still too early for us to get really spoilerific and delve, yeah, really, really deep into it. So I don't want to do any spoiler kind of stuff on this week's episode. Probably maybe on next week's episode let's kind of dig into it a little bit more because uh, i think by then pretty much everybody will have seen it right
0: sure i i think we can say whether or not we liked it i loved it thought it was great okay
1: okay good okay i i am a little confused about it i'll, I'll tell okay. you like i'm not exactly sure where i stand on it i think that i will need to see it a second time to really fully say how i felt about it because mm-hmm. after i left the theater like the phrase that just kept running through my brain over and over and over and again was that was a big movie.
0: Yeah, it's huge. And it does. um, I think what some people are negatively reacting to is it does so much different than all the past movies. Right. Like that, like with all the past movies, you, you know how it's going to go. You know, the beats, you Mm -hmm. know, basically what's going to happen. But that's not true of the Last Jedi. It it is different, sure, in millions of ways. I loved it.
1: I can I can understand why, and it's like I can understand people that are losing their shit over it, saying that it should be fucking you know deleted and redone and shit. I can (laughs) I, I don't know if I can completely understand that. I mean, it's just a movie and stuff, but I don't I don't know, man. It's it's like my gut reaction is you know whenever I left Force Awakens. I was like okay that was really 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 derivative and uh uh-huh. you could say you could say unoriginal in a lot of ways but I still was very happy like I was very happy that I saw it um, yep. and I wanted to see it again and with Rogue one whenever I left the theater from that one I was like god damn that was a really cool awesome you know behind the curtains not glamorous not heroic not yeah. glitzy or glamorous story that fits in Star Wars universe and i was like man that is this is a different way than i've ever felt about a star wars movie but i fucking loved it i think rogue one is fucking brilliant yeah but it's like whenever i left last jedi i didn't i didn't really feel that same like joy or elation and again it's like uh-huh. I need, i need to watch it again to say for sure because there was just so much going on that i think I might have been using up a lot of my my you know mental CPU just trying to keep up with this guy's yeah. here, she's here, he's over here. You know they're trying to do this yeah. and so on. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in that movie, so I think I need to see it again to give it a fair a fair verdict. But I will just say my internal feelings about it are not as elated or joyful as I have been about the previous two. Okay.
0: Okay. I. Um i saw it at seven in the morning on opening day jesus um i i i probably need to see it again but i i know my i know my brain and when i am groggy if i watch a movie like there are movies that i like that when i first tried to watch them i was sleepy and i was like all i could do was pick apart how much i hated it right I,
1: i know exactly what you mean yeah
0: i was groggy i was sleepy i was watching this i was a little hungover Mm -hmm. and i loved it still Uh, i thought it was great i love ray i love the development of ray it is fucking awesome and i (laughs) i i i see some of the problems people see with it but the main thing that i notice when people start listing their problems is like well you could list that about any of the previous films like you could just pick apart small things like why do they do this why do they do that oh sure
1: sure I know, I know what you mean
0: i'm not seeing any big story issues with what people dislike about it like i don't mm-hmm. see what the larger issue is that they dislike about it mm-hmm. if it's just little nitpicky stuff it's like well guys yeah hey, you can nitpick the shit out of these movies <laughs> there's totally, so yeah. much tiny stuff that is easily hateable but uh, I think it's great I like it but again I'll watch it again too we'll we'll be talking about it probably next week you know so um, we'll be able to get a little more into detail I, there's a lot that uh, I can understand people dislike about it for sure
1: sure right on and there's a lot I can understand that people really like about it hopefully by the time we do our next episode I'll have watched it again but you know another thing that I'll watch this week Steve that I would like to spend the majority of this week's episode on talking about is motherfucking die
0: hard die hard <laughs> which yeah. is
1: the fucking shit
0: yeah it's fucking awesome i mean uh anybody anybody tuning in hoping for us to nail die hard you can you can sit back and relax because we're not going to tune die Hard's Dip awesome shit. yeah die hard's awesome um i have so much positive stuff to say about this movie uh, I think the most interesting parts about this movie are its influences and and how it ended up being made like despite the fact that this movie overall is just great the the lead up to this movie is so interesting yeah I, I, w- I would watch a documentary about the making of Die Hard oh dude I would absolutely love love to see that I think that would be fucking awesome so um I've been watching a lot of 80s movies to like since I watched Die Hard the first time the other night. Not the first time ever, but just for the first time for this. Yeah. Um, I it reminded me how much I love 80s action movies. So I just started watching movies that I loved as a kid. Uh I, oh, yeah? I watched I watched Commando. Awesome. I watched Predator. Fuck um, yeah. Lethal Weapon, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, I watched Total Recall, which is a 1990 movie, but... Oh, so good, man. Get your ass to Mars. Uh Uh-huh, and I watched 48 Hours, so... I've never seen 48 Hours. I don't recommend it. Okay, all right, all right. (laughs) Watching it now, I was like, man, this is shit. This is not a great movie, but, you know, somebody out there will disagree with me. Um, You know what I found holds up? Lethal Weapon. Still pretty good.
1: I know. It really is the dynamic between fucking Uh Gibson and uh Donald Glover, man. Like the the dynamic of those two on screen and those two characters, just that fucking wild card uh of Mel Gibson and the you know, somewhat straight man of Donald Glover, the guy who's seen it all and all that. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: What if they remade Lethal Weapon and Donald Glover played the Danny Glover part and he was talking about how he
1: was too old for this shit? Dude, I would be so <laughs> fucking on board with that. That would be the best.
0: Yeah. Um. You know what I, I think that I discovered? I discovered a number of things I'm going to talk about when we come to the influences of Die Hard, okay. but one thing I discovered about 80s action movies that is probably missing from action most action movies since but that we can get from video games Mm. is there is a sense of a purpose like a single goal to be met Mm -hmm. and there are side quests Mm. that happen along the way yeah like it's like you're playing a first person shooter and you you're getting your instructions like you need to put the c4 in the elevator shaft or whatever like you Mm -hmm. you're getting these different instructions to do and i really i think the action movies moved away from that for some reason but video games are still using that as a as a catch there's for some reason when we watch movies we want to see uh obviously we want to see the hero doing hero business but we want to see how that hero business comes together. We want to see all the little side things. We want to see him crawling through the shafts. Yeah. We want to see him, like... Collecting weapons. Collecting weapons. Yeah, all this cool, interesting video game stuff. But in the 80s, that wasn't video game stuff.
1: Yeah, totally. So, And that, that kind of goes into a lot of the things I want to talk about about Die Hard whenever we get into our review as far as how John McClane is very much the opposite of every 80s action hero because yeah with movies like well like predator for example it's like you have this squad of you know it's like 100 percent just basically you know walking testosterone fucking muscle Uh men you know bodybuilders wrestlers
0: so many muscle shots in that movie just shots of biceps
1: oh yeah (laughs) and they're all you know they all came to the fucking jungle armed to the teeth they are ready to to rip shit up and kick ass and stuff, and that is so so different from Die Hard in a lot of ways. I think that's a main sort of area of of fascination. What did you think about Predator after watching that again?
0: Uh, still love it. It's yeah, still great. It I is. the like when you're going to bring in a bunch of actors who aren't some of them aren't great actors. Um they're mostly just muscle when you're going to bring in a bunch of those dudes and have them be together you need a script that reflects that they're a bunch of meatheads mm-hmm, like yeah. you, do, you don't need them trying to be like super serious about everything like and predator does it, it has this great script where they're, they're meatheads like we don't get a deep understanding of any of the characters really but you don't need it the, the need character it. is Meathead soldier. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, like, yeah. And the Predator's awesome. I mean, the effects still look pretty great, which is surprising. Like From 1980, what was that, 6 maybe? I think um, so, yeah. So, like, 1986, some interesting CGI, early CGI, and also, like, the, the, the Predator computer, like, vision, like the oh, night yeah. vision yeah, thing yeah. going on. I, I really like that. That's a cool effect. Like a cool way of showing the Predator is this like a like a horror movie villain. Yeah. Like he, he is like a you know, Jason or Michael Myers or whatever. We get his his view.
1: Oh yeah. Well and it's so cool too because you know, very much like a a Jason or a Michael Myers, you know, he's he's nonverbal in so many ways. Like he doesn't speak, we don't understand his language, we don't understand him that's what makes a villain fucking cool
0: yeah at the end he does laugh which was really fucking um like i didn't remember the ending of predator well yeah 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 but his laugh is haunting it's I know. like creepy yeah so ass. predators totally holds up commando was one of my favorite movies as a kid watching it as an adult i know that it's there's supposed to be some comedy to how ridiculous it is mm-hmm. but god it's so ridiculous yeah it's <laughs>
1: ridiculous man it's uh it's got yeah. fucking pepperidge farm Alyssa milano in it
0: doesn't it it does pepper Far- pepperidge farm Alyssa milano and a, <laughs> a sitcom opening where they're getting ice cream and Alyssa milano puts the <laughs> ice cream on his nose and then they're petting a deer yeah. and they're fishing it's so insane Um, oh man it's still great it's still great and the villain in commando not the main guy this is something i'll talk about 80s action movies for some reason the second in the second in command is usually the scary person Mm -hmm. in 80s action movies yeah the second in command the australian he that guy is acting out of his fucking brain and it is fucking insane how good he is like That they decide to have a knife fight at the end, Uh and like he's like, yeah, yeah, a knife fight—that's the way to kill him. Like he's just fucking (laughs) off of it. He's obviously either on a ton of cocaine, or he was just like excited to work with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I don't know, maybe both. Probably both.
1: Yeah, probably both. You know, I think I think you are onto something there. It seems like the second in command is always the fucking wily, fucking wild card, unpredictable guy, isn't he?
0: Yeah. So, uh, 80s action movies—they're great. We'll talk more about them in a little bit after we take this awesome quiz oh
1: man now steve there's one thing that i've wanted to know about you for a long time because steve i've known you now for probably i mean god Jesus. yeah Jesus, yeah over over a decade probably 10 yeah. or 12 years something like that mm-hmm. but there's one thing that as lenny kravitz once said i really want to know
0: <laughs> are you gonna go my
1: way Which jd's action here are you <laughs> <laughs> that was the original lyric
0: yeah so we're doing which classic 80s action movie are you which is a buzzfeed quiz from 2014 and boy i'm excited to find out i am too steve now our first question that we have on this quiz here is
1: which classic 80s movie gonna see? choose a drink that's our first question that we have here now steve uh-huh we've got a couple of choices here we've got a scotch uh huh. We've got a wine. Right. You ever heard
0: of vodka? Mm, a little water. Yeah, I've heard of it. Rums. Mm hmm. Delish. Water. Get it out of here.
1: Tequila O'Neal.
0: All right. Tequila O'Neal.
1: Otherwise known as tequila. <laughs> uh, tequila O'Neal is actually a, a, a signature cocktail of the household that involves tequila. So I'll explain. Oh, together. really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's, um,. It's, Power it's basically and
0: tequila?
1: <laughs> no it's basically kind of like okay you can go to a bar and order a kamikaze and yeah. it's usually a shot that contains equal parts of tequila and triple sec and lime juice yeah uh, which is pretty much just a margarita you know a yeah. real a real margarita Mm-hmm. but we make them in pints oh shit and i call it tequila o'neill because it's very large i bet um we also have coffee beer Mm -hmm. or milk what is your beverage of choice here
0: well here's my problem if it said bourbon i I would pick whiskey but it says scotch i do like scotch but um it's not my favorite so i'm gonna go with uh tequila as uh I, i really enjoy a nice smoky tequila Altos Olmeca. Anybody out there, go for it. Delicious. I've not
1: had that. Is that the bomb?
0: It's really good. El Jimador is really good. I, um, unlike most people, I sip tequila like I sip whiskey. I'm a big fan of tequila. It, like shitty tequila, I understand why people are sh- just trying to pound it into their, their face. But yeah. good tequila is like a, a good bourbon. It's it's delicious. Drinkable. nice yeah, smoky, and It has a lot of flavor. Lots of flavor to it. So... I'm going tequila. What about you, Ben?
1: Well, you know what? Before I give my own answer, I'm going to give our Dead and Lovely listeners a pro tip. This is an Uncle Ben pro tip about tequila. Uh Uh-huh. A guy that worked at a liquor store shared this with me when I was in my early 20s, and I never forgot it. So everybody, of course, that has ever gone to college has that horror story about, I can't drink tequila anymore after such and such.
0: Yeah.
1: That is because any tequila that you buy that is not labeled 100% agave or de uh-huh. agave. Yeah, yeah. Such as, let's say, the number one most highest selling Jose tequila. Jose Cuervo. Exactly. Jose Cuervo the Gold. Cuervo Gold. It is, yeah. <laughs> Steely Dan style. Good call. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I love that song. Mm-hmm. Any tequila that doesn't say 100% agave on it is half grain alcohol. Yeah. And so basically, whenever you got, you know, completely fucking wrecked drinking Jose Cuervo Gold in college and you had the worst hangover ever, it's because you were simultaneously drinking tequila and grain alcohol. Uh Uh-huh. If you drink real tequila, you will not have that fucking problem. There's even cheap tequilas that are like 18 bucks. Like, I usually get like Agavalas and it's like 18 bucks Mm -hmm. or something. It's 100% agave and it will not make you feel like a piece of shit the next day.
0: There's also the problem of most people either combine it with a ton of sugar Ugh, or a ton yeah. of salt. Yeah. Uh, if you intake a lot of salt or sugar, guess what? The next day, you're going to feel like shit. Oh, dude. Especially <laughs> past that, that, that 30-year-old line, dude. It's the Yo, fucking God. worst. Uh-huh. You're going to be on the toilet all day if you drink oh, margaritas man. all night. Yeah. Oh, dude. That. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like I could drink a fucking... You know, a pint of straight tequila, or I could drink like three margaritas and feel e- equally devastated because all the yeah. sugar and salt is yeah. terrible, man. So yeah, pro tip about tequila: 100% agave—that's what you want. Don't fall for that fucking bullshit marketing. Now, of these choices that I have right here, I'm gonna choose beer. I've been on a big it's old a gray beer. One. Yeah, I've been on a big old beer kick lately, and actually, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, Steve, some friends and I, including Flat Earth Mitchell Trueblood, that fucking idiot. <laughs>
0: one day he's gonna sue us yeah
1: he's gonna guys stop
0: but in the suit he's not going to admit that the earth is round that's gonna be our thing he's gonna be like they keep calling me that i mean it's true
1: but snow you know Snow needs to be mean about it. so we got together for like our annual friends uh get together which we usually get together like every year with like you know, Mitch and his wife and Josh and his wife and Joe, uh-huh. Joe Roland and his wife and a, a, a bunch of, yeah. Um, and we get together and have like a Christmas party and typically we've done like a gift exchange. But this year, uh, Mitch and, and Lucy, they decided to change it up and be like, hey, everybody bring a six pack of beer and let's do a beer exchange. Oh, that's fun. Now that's a fucking Christmas party right there. Rather yeah. than going out and being like, well, I've got to go spend 20 bucks on every friend that I have, getting him some shit that yeah i don't even know if they'll use or like um Mm -hmm. but i'm just gonna waste money because that's what christmas says i should do
0: (laughs) (laughs) man christmas always talking shit
1: yeah exactly it's like how about this how about we all go grab a bunch of beer which is something that we're all gonna be buying anyway and then everybody just picks what they fucking want and we all spend like 10 bucks each it's the best idea beer exchange y'all that's fucking christmas right there
0: Uh uh-huh or liquor exchange. I oh, yeah. yeah, my 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 friend Megan, her family does that where they all buy a bottle of liquor and then it's like a wide, they do like a white elephant thing where I'm
1: on board. You
0: know, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's fun. What's our next question we got here on our quiz there, Steve? Choose a weapon, Ben. All right. Now, are you rocking a bow and arrow, mm. a shotgun, mm. a 44 Magnum, okay. A sharp stick? <laughs> fists your wit, barbed wire. How are you using that as a weapon? With Pam Anderson? Like, the DVD, do I throw it at the people? Yeah, like, that's weird. I mean, she she's probably not too heavy. I guess you could pick her up by the ankles and swing her, but... Toss her by... Yeah, yeah, you'd probably yeah. do that. Um, missile or dart? What do you say, Ben? I'm gonna go with a
1: straight-up shoddy shotgun, because any time that I was playing any first person shooter like Medal of honor or <laughs> yeah. doom like using the shotgun is the most fun it's got an appealing sound wide spray radius which is probably good because i'm yeah. probably not a good shot it's been so <laughs> long since i shot a gun but yeah, yeah i'm gonna go with shoddy shotgun what are you going with
0: ben i'm going to use my wit like hans Aww. gruber you uh. could probably
1: make it work or like a Han solo
0: <laughs> <laughs> that guy uses his wit uh han ass holo i call him
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right now steve i want you to choose a place to vacation
0: all right there are some diverse choices here you've got mal (laughs) malibu just down the road yeah space (laughs) just just up above yeah yeah
1: san francisco
0: Mm-hmm. not interested
1: You got to go out there and eat some fucking, you know, rice and noodles mixed together? I don't
0: know. (laughs) I mean, I don't know where you're going to stay. It's going to cost you like $1,000 a night to get an appropriate room. No kidding. Uh, Fuck San Francisco. Hawaii. I have friends who live in Hawaii. Maybe I could stay with them. There we go. Yeah, I'm
1: Steve. I like to brag about my friends who live in Hawaii. Yeah,
0: my super awesome friends who live in Hawaii. Yeah, it's pretty cool. (laughs) The Himalayas. Oh, yeah. All
1: right the amazon now is that now that prime? sounds fun prime's free is
0: it now if amazon you pay prime the membership free? yeah if you pay the oh. membership then you get it for free
1: <laughs>
0: if you pay for it you get it free
1: maybe one day i just like go down to the amazon
0: and i just claim some land and i'm like this is free it's free with prime it's free with prime guys and then you know what get the fuck out yeah i bet i bet anyone making cocaine back in the amazon would be like that's fine <laughs> yeah, you know what? Like, he's for got me. Amazon Prime. It's fine. <laughs> we got a New York City. They don't make no
1: fucking old El Paso. New York City,
0: there. get a rope.
1: <laughs> Seattle, where you can go. I guess uh-huh. jam to Nirvana and Soundgarden.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or we've got a Peru. <laughs> what a weird choice! It's a really <laughs> odd choice of places to go on vacation.
0: <laughs> um. Well, I've been to Malibu. It's fine. It's yeah. just a bunch of really rich houses. I wouldn't want to stay there. Um, but I have always wanted to go to the Amazon. So I'm going nice. to go with the Amazon.
1: That's a good move, man. That's a good move. I think of these choices, I'm going to go with the New York City, that museum of food and drink and oh, stuff yeah. that's up uh-huh. there now.
0: Oh, yeah. They, they got a big lady up there. She's green. She's like, hey, come on in. Mm. I welcome you. I hear it's fun. <laughs> what do we got next on this quiz? here, Well, Steve? it's Friday night, man. Where are you? Okay. Um, are you alone? Are you with your family? Mm. With your best friend? At the bar? At the bar, okay. Studying? Quirking? Mm, bookish. In trouble. Mm. LOL. <laughs> you scamp. <laughs> Lol. Playing GTA 4. Now what gta 5 was out in 2014 was that wasn't like it recent <laughs> yeah um hmm. or on a date i'm just gonna you know i'm gonna go
1: with if it's a friday night i am typically with my best friend which is uh, my wife my
0: wife yeah um well <laughs> if if this were school times i would say studying because that's what i was doing right um But honestly, most Friday nights, my wife works, so uh, I'm alone. All right, Steve, now I want you
1: to choose a name for a puppy.
0: Okay, I've done that.
1: What do you want to call this puppy? You want to call this puppy Tut? Tut, all right. How about DG1200? That's fun to call across the yard. DG1200, come back.
0: And the dog, of course, is like affirmative. (laughs) How about Dollar? No, what am I, Richie Rich, goose? Cause okay, cause the Top Gun. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Hollywood. That's. Uh, I mean, you know, you are that's Hollywood
1: Steve. You'd have Come Hollywood on. Dog, I guess.
0: Hollywood Dog. <laughs> that,
1: that sounds <laughs> I like, like that.
0: That sounds like a really awesome. Like, I mean, technically, there already is a Hollywood Dog on BoJack Horseman, but I mean, it might be a cool cartoon, Hollywood Dog beverly hills chihuahua <laughs>
1: what about jones okay <laughs> or that's maybe S- yeah santa what ugly butt
0: oh that's not nice to call your dog but you know funny perhaps chicken chicken the dog I don't know about all right i'm not a big fan of any of these names Um, so I'm going to go with Hollywood. That's a pretty strong answer,
1: man. I guess of those names, I would, man, I don't know. These all kind of fucking
0: suck. They do. (laughs) What if that was an option? These all kind of fucking suck. Yeah, how
1: about, no, please. I'm going to go with Goose. I kind of like the idea of naming a dog after another animal. And plus, like, dogs respond to those hard vowel and consonant sounds like uh, hard G. So, yeah, I think Goose Uh would be pretty effective for a dog.
0: Also, uh, I thought you were gonna mention the fact that if you name it Goose, it'll probably be able to fly a jet. <laughs> Goose. Mhm. Ben, you win a million dollars. How do you spend it? All okay. Right. All right. Let's find this out. On new clothes. What? A million dollars on new clothes. <laughs> a trip around the world.
1: Yeah. A
0: new car. What, is, what car? Okay, I'm sure there is a car out there that is a million dollars, but. Oh yeah. I think you can get a brand new Bugatti for less than a million dollars. So, so not possible. Anyway, a new bedroom. What bedroom is what? Jesus Christ. What do you got in that fucking thing? Front row seats at my fave sport. This sport better be fucking awesome. If front row seats are a million dollars, <laughs> it's called, it's called nude supermodel volleyball. <laughs> I'd still not be interested. No, it's not worth it. You know what you can see? Better looking girls playing nude volleyball. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Um, invest it. See, the only thing so far that's made any sense. Open my own gym. Mm -hmm. Pay parking tickets. Motherfucker. A million dollars in parking fines. That's insane. Jesus Christ. Take my family to Disneyland. Now, Ben, what are you gonna do? I've been mili- to Disneyland. It does not yeah. cost a million dollars. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's close, but yeah. it's not a million. <laughs> Come on. nine
1: hundred thousand, maybe.
0: Yeah, oh sure. If you want to get to the front
1: of the line. You know, here's the thing, Steve. I want to know. Because obviously most of these things do not cost a million dollars. But the thing that is on my mind the most right here. That this just rings super hard today would be I really I really want a new car very badly, but I would like to yeah. go and get like a very sensible car yeah. and then just have the
0: leftover money. Can I do that? If you buy a new car, you're a moron. Come on, I buy know, a I used. W- you buy a used yeah. sensible car. I don't care how much money you have. Like just no. be smart about your car because it's just a, a mode of conveyance. It's nothing
1: more. It's a wheelbarrow that you put your body in. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) and so basically, like my car today, man. Like, long story short, I had a pretty shitty day today because Uh I I was up really late the night before editing a video, and then I had to get up early to make it to a a rehearsal for Skank Banger. Yeah, and like I got up really early, and I was tired as fuck, but I was like, I have to do this. I'm gonna make it to practice on time, and yada yada, and then go straight from there to work and all that jazz, and. My car has gotten in this really bad habit of whenever it's been very rainy or like mm. you know really moist outside, uh, it just doesn't fucking start. I think it gets water in the distri- distributor cap or uh-huh. plug wires. And uh, I basically, yeah, long story short, I like didn't sleep and got up really early for no reason because my fucking car wouldn't start. I'm just fucking tired. Of it, so I'm going with a new car. A new car. I'm gonna go
0: with <laughs> invest it, and yeah. um, you gotta throw it in Bitcoin, aren't you? I'm gonna throw it all into Bitcoin. <laughs> now is not the time to buy Bitcoin. Three no. years ago was the time to buy Bitcoin. <laughs> That's correct.
1: Yeah. Now that everybody knows it's important, let's all get it. Then it'll yeah. it'll continue going up in price. Well, right? it's worth nineteen
0: thousand dollars right now. So Jesus, it can only go up. Yeah, I mean it, it could works. it could turn into thirty eight thousand dollars in which case you will have doubled your money which
1: yeah isn't I mean, much <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now Steve I want you to choose something that you're getting too old for. Finally. Yeah no are you getting too old for this shit? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> are you getting too old for injustice? Yeah, I've
0: everyone's too old for injustice.
1: You, you getting too old for a road trip? no what about corruption yes what this is insane (laughs) what is this list i remember when i was a child and i'd go around saying i'm young enough for corruption
0: yeah corruption's fine with me
1: yeah for now i mean not later but for now it's fine what about reality tv
0: i you know what i was gonna say i was never young enough for reality tv but i did used to watch um uh road rules and
1: real world yeah that was like reality tv before the term reality tv was a thing
0: yeah it was and it i mean it sucks i mean especially if you go back and watch early (laughs) seasons of it it's like oh this is boring yeah like they should get somebody to come in and turn this into a story but then the moment they do that it's like well this is fake um (laughs) so fuck reality tv anyway what about traffic god i love traffic never too old for traffic How about the Subway, meaning the sandwich place, I think? Oh, man, yeah, no, maybe I'm too old for that. (laughs) Eat fresh, kind of. Sometimes. (laughs) Technology, how about you too old for
1: technology?
0: No, I will never be too old for technology. The moment that I'm like, I don't get technology, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna cease to exist.
1: How about heights? Are you too old to be high up?
0: (sighs) What? (laughs) (laughs) These are really weird answers. These are strange. Um, I'm just gonna take this shit to mean all of the answers afterwards and say this shit. Yeah,
1: I kind of think that that's sort of the thing, right? I I Uh guess of of these choices, I would go with corruption because, yeah, as we were talking about the FCC and stuff earlier, it's just it is just so they're not even hiding it anymore, right? It's just like everything's fucked up. But you're not in charge, so fuck you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What are you gonna do? It's like I don't know. Um. I think I've said this before on the podcast, but I think violence is sometimes the answer. Yeah. Um, And I don't know. We all knew that kid back in elementary school who would just push everyone and push and push and like do everything they could up to a point to see how far they could push you. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's what the government is doing now. They're trying to see how far they can push before we will actually fight back. Yeah cuz we I, we I have don't think so. We have like anybody who's been like who who's out there is like I've been to protest. Yeah, you've been to protest. But what did they accomplish? Nothing. Nothing, right. Nothing yeah, yeah. we've ever done has has changed this. And they're trying to see how far they will go and until we actually will fight back and then they'll sort of maybe pull it back a step. Maybe. <laughs> if we're lucky. Assholes. Yeah. Ben, choose a song all right <laughs> fancy by iggy azalea I you know, know that's you my love, song you love iggy azalea <laughs> back in black by acdc hit the sack back. uh-huh every breath you take by the police Stalker if you're a creep. song. Yeah, yeah creeper yeah <laughs> nowhere to run by martha and the vendellas that's a good song yeah. to, run to. um whip it by devo okay Fly Me to the Moon by Frank Sinatra. Oh, Blue Eyes. (laughs) Drive by Incubus. How did that get (laughs) on? I mean, Iggy Azalea makes more sense to me. Anyway, um, (laughs) I Got I Shot the Sheriff by Bob Marley. Okay. And You've Got a Friend in Me by Randy Newman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Randy Newman, just singing about what he sees. You got a friend in me. Now, if it had Short People by Randy Newman from the Little Rascal soundtrack, yeah now that i'd be on board with little tiny hands little <laughs> tiny feet. i'd be on board with that
0: if they if they had i love la which is objectively the worst randy newman song but also <laughs> one of my favorites because it, it's uh, it is obviously about how la kind of sucks like the you know he talks a lot about homeless people and stuff and he keeps mentioning like if you're not if you've not lived in LA you would think oh he's mentioning streets in LA that are real big nope (laughs) he's most of the streets he mentions are in Santa Monica and the streets he mentions in LA proper they're not like sixth street I can't even I I mean downtown on sixth street maybe there's some stuff but not really sixth street we love it anyway
1: <laughs> i should do a i love Ridge song
0: i love Ridge.
1: and like not even mention you know like cherokee or any of the main streets <laughs> or anything <anywhere>. yeah <laughs> i'd be like the most deep cut song of all time 11e i think of these it. choices i'm gonna go with the back and black by acdc because acdc fucking kicks ass and if you don't they think really so, do. you're dumb you're dumb at
0: life You're dumb at life. Yep you're having you're having some troubles. Um, I'm I'm disappointed by this list, honestly. Um, and I'm glad I'm glad you took ACDC. It it fits with you better. I'm gonna go with the police and just pretend like it's not every breath you take. Though that's an awesome song.
1: Yeah, it's like if it was like "Spirits in the Material World" by the Police, I'd be like, fuck yeah, yeah, that's my fucking song.
0: I do love the police, so. Yeah, <laughs> I dude. love Devo too, and if it wasn't, you know what? God damn it, no, I'm going with the police, god damn it. Good choice, man.
1: <laughs> and I kind of discovered over the past year or so that like, the police have the weirdest streak of like all, like literally all of their most popular songs are their worst songs.
0: Yeah, they're not, yeah. I, I, every little thing she does is magic shouldn't be a police song, but it is a great no. song. it's good but it's like again it's
1: it's nowhere near fucking some of the other stuff that they've done yeah Yeah, it's it's real weird demolition man so much better
0: yeah they probably feel the same way too when they're playing their songs at concerts they're probably like fuck we gotta play this one again like Mm -hmm. they want to play the better songs because they're the more more musically complex songs for sure Mm -hmm. they're so good man they're so good now steve
1: i want you to choose me a tv show okay i want you to choose between the following i want you to choose risoli and isles i don't even know what the fuck
0: that is steve (laughs) it's a tnt show about two ladies who are detectives
1: okay how about or one of them's a
0: detective and one of them's an M M E or something i don't know i've never seen it
1: (laughs) so fuck that show
0: top gear what do you know
1: about a top gear
0: um, I know they are British, and one of them said some real racist stuff a few years ago, and nobody seemed <laughs> to care.
1: What? Whoa! Uh-huh. <laughs> they just stuffed that in the boot and went about yeah, along they, their ways. They
0: did. They put it in the boot, they popped the bonnet, made sure everything was okay, and off they went.
1: <laughs> How about Storage Wars? Oh, fuck that. No. Never. I don't know what that is. Modern Family, which I've never seen, but I
0: heard is good. It's, it's okay. I mean, I... I I liked the first few seasons uh, okay. It's one of those shows that it's like, if it's on, I'll watch it. But I also <laughs> won't pay too much attention to it.
1: How about Scandal? What's a Scandal?
0: <sighs> I don't know. My yeah, wife no has reason. my wife has met... Um, oh, wait, no. Never mind. She's not in Scandal. Never mind. I won't mention the name. <laughs> Sick. We
1: just don't know anything about Scandal.
0: <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I know it's a Shonda Rhimes show, and Shonda Rhimes it has her own, like... Universe going on in ABC, so that's that's awesome.
1: Shonda Rhymes related to Buster Rhymes.
0: <laughs> I hope so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How about Seinfeld? I've that's heard of that. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. The Amazing Race is that uh, about white people? I don't know.
0: I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think it is almost exclusively it's a cbs show and it's a reality show so it's probably it's probably just I about be- white people. yeah <laughs>
1: how about the real housewives of beverly hills
0: not interested no nope. pass hard pass. pass Yeah.
1: or a firefly
0: okay great show okay so there there are a few shows on there what do you choose ben i'll let you go first
1: i i would go with the seinfeld I, yeah like the- you
0: take seinfeld The last thing that I was watching before we started recording was a Seinfeld. Awesome. Good choice. I mean, wait, what was the episode?
1: So we were watching the episode where uh, Elaine just found out that like Putty in his car had all these like Christian music stations. (laughs) He was like a
0: Christian.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. And she's like, what do I care? I'm going to hell. (laughs) I love
0: love that character of Putty because (laughs) he's he's just he's just, like he's so matter of fact about everything like know, he's got his yeah. eight ball jacket and his christian music <laughs> and his huge fan in the new jersey devils like yeah like
1: <laughs> oh so good man so right. yeah
0: i gotta i gotta choose a seinfeld i'm gonna pick firefly great show yeah. um i don't know if there will ever be any extension to firefly but it would be awesome if there was Kate loves season. the
1: firefly she's all about it
0: yeah, it's a great show, and uh, I liked the movie. I like I like it all. It's fun stuff. So, Ben, what'd
1: you get? I got Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior from 1981. You are great at improvising when need be and enjoying uh-huh. long drives on the open road. You also have a thing for people with mohawks. I agree with all of this, actually. Yeah. This is actually quite accurate.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good choice, too. I love that movie. Yeah. What about you? I got Predator. Nice. Or as the super-ego sketch says, PREDATOR. (laughs) Oh, Um, shit. uh, You are fearless and will venture into places that others fear to tread. You know what, that's true. I often um, will walk into dark caves or... Like, if if you hear screaming and a building is on fire, I'll just walk right into there. Wow. (laughs) You're also great at covering yourself in mud. Mm -hmm. Do you go where eagles dare? I go where he goes down. I go where he goes down. (laughs) Are you a
1: goddamn son of a bitch? I ain't
0: no goddamn son of a bitch.
1: You better (laughs) think about it, Ben Eller. All right, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it.
0: (laughs) Well, that was a fun little, what you call it?
1: Um, Yeah, it was. And we learned something.
0: We we both are cool movies, so that's fun. Yeah,
1: and our listeners learned how to choose a good tequila.
0: That is a good point. I mean, listen, if you're choosing a, a tequila for making margaritas you can go as cheap as you want if you're choosing a tequila for lick it slam it suck it uh you're wasting your time anyway so go as cheap as you want but if you're wanting a good tequila i'm telling you uh there there's el jimador altos olmeca I've had a couple of others that I've enjoyed. Oh, uh, or a Mezcal, a Mezcal is always good. It's like yeah, a nice- Yeah, that's an underrated cut right there. Uh-huh, anything that you would put, like any drink you would put whiskey in, replace Mezcal and you'll mm-hmm. find it's it's almost one-to-one. It's and amazing. And honestly,
1: even the, the Cuervo Traditional is fine.
0: Yeah, it is fine, that is true. There it's are a couple- of there are a couple that are fine, like uh, Trace Cazadores. I like that one pretty good. But that's the amazing thing to me is like,
1: I mean, like I said, you've got the, you know, the Cuervo Gold, and uh-huh. then you've got The fine all Colombian, these... <laughs> and then you've got all these other ones that are cheaper than it that are better actually, that are 100% agave and stuff. So don't be yeah. a fool. Get that 100% agave. Buy, 100% buy nice agave or throw up twice. <laughs> so ben we're talking about fucking die hard motherfucking the die hard now i assume
0: this was not the first time you watched this no but as i i said last week i didn't see this as a child i never saw this growing up it was just one that somehow i missed and it never really like came into my my world until i started writing scripts and reading about great scripts in one of One of the scripts that people really seem to love is the Die Hard script. The 1988 Die Hard script is considered by many to be an almost perfect action movie script. I tend to agree. It is watertight. Like, there's really not a lot of holes
1: that you can poke in this flick. I mean, it it is completely full of super likable characters. I feel like this movie has such a cool way of continually upping the ante. You know mm-hmm. throughout the whole flick it's just like the stakes get higher and higher and higher as it goes and I don't know it's interesting too because when you look into the development of this flick it could have gone wrong so oh, yeah. fucking easily
0: like easily could have gone wrong it should have been bad it absolutely should have been bad and let me tell you why this movie is based on Roderick Thorpe's novel Nothing Lasts Forever mhm now Roderick Thorpe's novel Thorpe's novel, Nothing Lasts Forever is a sequel to his novel The Detective. The Detective was made into a movie starring Frank Sinatra in 1968 and Roderick Thorpe wrote Nothing Lasts Forever to be a sequel, like to be the inspiration for a sequel to the movie starring Frank Sinatra, like right. his ideas that was that it would star Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Uh also important is that roderick thorpe went and saw the towering inferno in 1974 and that night he had a dream in which uh a man was being chased through a you know uh skyscraper by people with guns and oh, he wow. woke up and he wrote nothing lasts forever
1: now Holy die hard
0: die hard sticks pretty close to nothing lasts forever including like having sp- like particular scenes from the book that were like major set pieces such as the the c4 in the elevator shaft mm-hmm. um the him crawling through the the vents and stuff which you know is an idea people probably had before that but like the way that they show the vents as like really small and and cramped the way vents actually are instead yeah. of huge and easy to crawl through right <laughs> like uh that was in the book so like the book the book gave us a whole lot of of what came from the movie but the movie went through so many steps to get here first off uh steven de souza and um jeb stewart who wrote this they were working off the book but also working off of the the movie and the idea was that they had to offer it to frank sinatra even though now he was almost like he was in his 70s i think by Jeez, yeah a, yeah they had to offer it to him but they assumed he wasn't gonna take it and this is rumored steven de souza has said it's not true but other people involved with it have said it is true that die hard was going to be a sequel to commando
1: okay now i heard that too yeah. so you're saying that's just a rumor
0: well steven de souza wrote commando mm. and their fir- the first person they went to for die hard was arnold schwarzenegger and right. if arnold schwarzenegger had been part of it from what others have said it would have been a sequel to command
1: and that's so crazy too man because if and don't be wrong i fucking love arnold but yeah i feel like if he would have been the hero in this it would, it would have, have sucked been, yeah it would have <laughs> been bringing sand to the beach like this would yeah. have faded into the background noise of yeah. all of those other 80s action flicks and you know whenever you say like you know it was written for fucking frank sinatra that sounds completely bonkers but you gotta remember too that in the original source material it wasn't a husband and a wife it was a dad
0: and his daughter right yeah yeah in the originals yeah he was going to be saving his daughter in in the tower so yeah there's there's some switch there and also you know um the way that the script was written I mean the the original sequel to the novel was written for Frank Sinatra but the way the script was written was still very flexible in the opening uh, days before the production got started Mm -hmm. pre-production the amount of people they approached for this role like they didn't want to give the role to Bruce Willis for because he had never done an action movie yeah, like, he was like the moonlighting guy at that point. That's pretty yeah, much it. exactly. So they approached so many people. Let me just uh, run through the list. Aside from you know having to go to Sinatra and and trying to get Schwarzenegger to do it, um, they also approached Sylvester Stallone, Harrison okay. Ford, Don Johnson, Richard Gere, Clint Eastwood, and Burt Reynolds. Whoa! All to all of them were preferable <laughs> in the studio's view to bruce willis none of them that's wanted so to crazy. do it that's so crazy because like i just
1: could not i couldn't no. imagine any of those cats
0: can you imagine movie. burt reynolds and diehard just a big mustache falling down he wouldn't he shaft. wouldn't have crawled through the vents there's no way he would have been like, no, no I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, Harrison Ford would have been like, get off of my building. Get off of my building. And then he would have been like, I'm not even interested in this. Uh, uh, like, why, why is the Empire so bad? I don't Give even me know. back my son. Give me back my get off my son. That's <laughs> probably one of them too, right? We uh, named the dog Indiana. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Only the penitent man will pass.
1: Yeah, um, penitent, penitent.
0: so what happened though pretty much is that bruce willis won a golden globe and an emmy for moonlighting and Mm -hmm. they were like okay well you know we'll move forward with bruce willis as the star which then meant that they weren't going to put quite as much money into it as they do other action movies they ended up Mm -hmm. only have a 28 million dollar budget which was respectable then but wasn't a big budget movie especially considering that bruce willis got five million of that so yeah which is
1: like an unheard of sum back then yeah
0: yeah for yeah for a first time action star it was a huge amount of money but that's the
1: crazy thing too is like considering that they paid him this like record-setting sum of money then a lot of the promotional material for the movie was just like a picture of the fucking building like they didn't even show bruce willis on a lot of the posters and stuff
0: well, they were trying to cash in on the Towering Inferno. Like, they right. really were. Like, they they assumed that people, it's been 14 years since the Towering Inferno. People loved the Towering Inferno. You know, people are going to come out to see this building as, like, you know, the environment. They want to see this real enclosed and you're up high so you can't just g- jump out. You're kind of stuck. They want to see that but the thing that towering inferno had was a huge all-star cast and mm-hmm. this movie has bruce willis first time action star alan rickman in his first feature film role yeah
1: i just realized that this time that he hadn't done anything on screen he'd done theatrical stuff but
0: yeah, yeah this is his first big on-screen debut which is nuts you look at anybody in this movie you'd be like yeah i know that person like yeah that's that's uh carl winslow well he wasn't carl winslow Uh, (laughs) um he was carl winslow came uh, yeah i think the next year or as they were doing it he got the family matter family matters started in 89 so like Mm -hmm. he he wasn't even carl winslow yet um you got the principal from breakfast club which isn't like a huge get but it's he plays the role well yeah. And then, like, all the terrorists, h- hardly any of them, like, talk or anything. So, most of them are played by just actual uh, foreign actors. Like, one of them is an Italian soccer player. <laughs> Isn't one of them fucking Vigo the Carpathian? Yeah, one of them's Vigo the Carpathian. Um, <laughs> Second so, appearance on Dead and Lovely after. Uh, way Mouth to go, Vigo. Yeah, way to go, Vigo. You've made it. <laughs> You're the two timer club. Um, there, there are so many, like, Character actors that you recognize, uh the the white Johnson of the FBI agents, he's in a ton of stuff. The mm-hmm. black Johnson, he was in Lethal Weapon. Both of them okay. are in um the 1989 James Bond movie. I can't remember what it's called. Bonnie Bedelia, which Bonnie is Bonnie
1: She's in like a league of their own or something, right?
0: Yeah, like they're they're all they're all character actors. None of them are these big stars. And yeah. so you do that i guess when you bring in someone who's not a big star like bruce willis he's a comedy star he's done some comedy but he's never done action if you use i think they did this real smart thing where they they got in character actors that some people would recognize from other roles that would make them feel like oh i'm in an action movie right now i'm watching an action movie and that the fact that they're not bigger than Bruce Willis sort of elevates Bruce Willis. Like it makes him look like a bigger star Mm -hmm. and, and you get Alan Rickman who has never done a feature film role to be the villain. You, you're really, and you're really hoping that Bruce Willis and Alan Rickman bring it. Oh yeah. If they don't, this is a piece of shit. This movie would fall apart in seconds, even though the story's great and the characters are well-written.
1: And that's the thing about this flick too is this is one of those situations where, like we mentioned earlier, it would have been so easy for this to be a disaster. All the amount of people oh, that worked on it, the amount of people that were the first and second and third and fourth and fifth choices to play these characters, um, and then even the fact that they were they were you know starting to film this movie before they'd even finished the script. Like they were shooting yeah. a lot of these scenes and figuring out who McLean was the whole time and how this thing was gonna wrap up which is how you you end up with you know again if you want to get really nitpicky a few of the little inconsistencies in the movie like when the truck shows up and the terrorists get out but then later like an ambulance rolls out of it it's like okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's because i hadn't figured that out in the script yet so it's like Ooh, that's yeah. how you end up with little stuff like that but it shows that the the makers of this movie they really must have had just a gut instinct about what they were working with. When they were working with Bruce Willis and you know Alan Rickman, they were like, these guys are selling this movie. It's not even really the story. It's not even the setting. It is just that these two actors are really fucking selling this movie to the people. And they had faith in them, and they took a big chance, and it worked.
0: Yeah, and the thing is that what they were doing with Die Hard is... And I'm not positive... Because I, again, I saw 80s action movies growing up. I've just been looking them over this past week. I've never really studied action movies. I've never really mm-hmm. tried to write an action movie. I've never really gotten too deep into how you make a good action movie. Mm-hmm. But what it seems like happened in the 80s is that there was this there was this refining going on. Each new 80s action movie was building off of the last like it was using elements of the last and then trying to perfect them so Mm -hmm. you'll see say if you watch beverly hills cop you'll see that one of the central elements of that is that there are bearer bonds um Mm, right at the center of it uh lethal weapon you have a weird blonde secondary villain like their their blondness is their strangeness yeah (laughs) um um in beverly hills cop you got a big city east coast cop culture clashing with california sure yeah same thing in diehard yeah foreign accents are prevalent in all of them every yeah. one of them let alone uh, arnold schwarzenegger's like in all yeah. of
1: them <laughs> it is kind of amazing that he became like an 80s action star when that was the time period where it's like if you wanted to make a villain just put like a european accent on him because it was still relatively close to the cold war
0: yeah almost all of them also have some mention of japan or germany correct japan or germany is either involved in in villainy or somehow helping like they're Mm -hmm. always mentioned though because at that time japan and germany were economic uh, in economic booms and so america was like we love them
1: now that's that's an interesting point you bring up about the movie that i thought was a really uh really important thing that stuck out to me this time whenever I watched the flick is that I feel like part of why this movie resonated so hard with people in 1980 what was it 88 88 is because I feel like this movie played you know kind of subtly kind of overtly on a lot of relevant topics and fears of what a lot of people are going through in this time yes you, you, you just mentioned the growing superpower of Japan like obviously this takes place in the nakatomi building this deals with a japanese corporate takeover on american soil i mean it's obvious it's right there and then of course you've got the german you know terrorists with their scary european accents and Uh blondes and so on but there's also more to it than that those are the ones that to me are kind of surface level you know that just sort of played upon again fears of of probably people during that time period but Mm -hmm. you've also got other things you've got the whole fact that like you know the reason that bruce willis and his wife are split apart is because they are a two-income family and she was Uh a career woman and her career started becoming more sex successful than his Yeah.
0: yeah and what i will say about holly throughout this film is her character arc is more of a character line and characters like that have to be right. Mm-hmm. Like when you write a character who doesn't have much of an arc, it's because they were right in the first place. Mm-hmm. So they can't they can't go through a change because they're right. So yeah, she's exactly. right. He was wrong. He should yeah. have he should have believed in her, which is exactly what he says. He should have believed in her and he should have moved out there with her. But he did. Right. So yeah. Holly is the one of the character the only major characters in this um that has no arc because she's right from the beginning to the end
1: and that's the thing about you know again it's so easy to forget about this kind of stuff when you watch this in today's you know time period in 2017 but like i remember as a kid Uh uh-huh you know in the in the late 80s and early 90s like most of my friends moms didn't work yeah and yet, their dad could go work a job, even though he didn't even have a college education. Uh-huh. And,
0: and they were still doing great.
1: Yeah, dude. It's like, you could still afford a fucking house and two brand new cars in the driveway and raising two kids Yeah. off of one income? Like, one yeah. non-college education income? Yeah. What in the fuck, dude? Like, I remember, you know... That, again, I grew up very conservative and Christian stuff, and uh-huh. it's like whenever it was the early and mid-90s and more and more women started joining the workforce and becoming breadwinners for the family and making as much money as the man and so on, it was like, oh my God, this is the death of the family.
0: Oh, they've destroyed it. These women.
1: I know. Yeah, exactly. And it's like people were really, really freaking out about it. And it's like, dude, that is just not today's world no what so dude it i I don't know it it is not possible for that kind of thing to exist it's like
0: no it's not
1: (laughs) everything is so fucking expensive now man it's insane
0: um my mom was a single mom growing up so i i never got the shock and horror of of women having to work oh uh how about this uh why don't dads stick around yeah how about (laughs) that (laughs) yeah how about that like um yeah, so I i never understood I remember when Dan Quayle was up in arms about Murphy Brown being a single mom. Like it was just like, do you even kind of get what's going on in this world? Like right, you, don't, seriously. you don't. No. Yeah. Um so some other diehard in like things from eighties action movies that seem to stick. One is the heroes smoke. Yeah. <laughs> Heroes That's a smoke. cowboyism right there. Yeah, it's a cowboy thing. It's exactly it. Heroes smoke. In almost all these movies, the hero smokes cigarettes. It's insane.
1: Which goes back to that American which, you know, of course the European terrorists in the movie are always joking around through this whole thing about him being a fucking cowboy and stuff, which is why he cho- he chooses his uh you know, radio name as was it Roy Rogers or something, right? Roy Rogers, yeah. Mm-hmm because he is such a cowboy he is a lone fucking cowboy in this movie and in all those of course yeah exactly they fucking smoked and stuff so that's that's definitely part of the character for sure
0: here's the thing i noticed that made good 80s action movies that they need to get back to and and, uh, this is it's gonna sound insane all of the best 80s action movies were set in los angeles specifically like yeah. it is, it is talked about that they're in Los Angeles. They deal with the fact that they're in Los Angeles, and there's always a California culture clash. Totally in the movies in the '80s, California is both foreign and violent, but also hippy dippy and gay. I mean, just look at Hocus Pocus. <laughs> exactly,
1: laid back hippie, California tie dye shirt and all that. Yeah, stuff. and
0: and homophobia is is. A thing in so many of these movies um, totally
1: even though a lot of them are super super homoerotic with all the greasy muscles yes, and so on. it's yeah. so
0: weird it's like we don't like guys that act gay but you know we do like looking at dudes muscles when they're Check all the greased up. body yeah <laughs> um so like i think john McClane comes off the least homophobic he gets kissed by that guy on the cheek and he's like fucking california that's I all. know it, yeah that's it like i mean if you re-watch lethal weapon you'll find out that uh, uh <laughs> it's got some pretty homophobic lines in it that are right overt um if you watch beverly hills cop it's got some real racist lines like what <laughs> i what what i noticed is that good action movies slowly like just got rid of that they got uh-huh. rid of this the the homophobia and the racism So, like, Die Hard is far less homophobic and far less racist than all of its predecessors. And that's why it comes across, I think, as a fun movie. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't address actual issues. (laughs) Like, there's no big issue being addressed here. Other than the fact that one of the Johnsons, one of the Agent Johnsons, talks about being in Vietnam... Mm -hmm. um there's no real issue addressed here there's no there were no german terrorists at the time um and then they even reveal they're not terrorists they're just robbing so like terrorism kind of gets thrown out almost immediately as something you have to fear
1: yeah, and that's the thing is apparently they were originally written as terrorists. Yes, and they yeah. were basically like getting back at this. Uh, apparently, the Nakatomi Plaza was host to like an oil corporation.
0: Yeah, in the book, it was like a yeah some yeah. oil corporation who had done evil things, and that that is a great, interesting story, but it's not fun. It's exactly. not fun. It's not yeah. fun to go like if you go to an action movie right now and they were like the movie was about net neutrality, it would be like. Well, I like the message, but I'm not having a good time. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, they, they changed it to the, you know, they're just robbing the place just to make the whole thing a lot less political, which I'm I'm totally on board with. Um, it would have been easy for that to become very preachy, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah. If they would have taken that angle. But it's cool, too, because they did play up the terrorism angle, which was still a thing in the 80s, of course. It was, Terrorism sure, yeah. is nothing new
0: no it Um, did not start in 2000
1: 2001 no Um, uh no
0: so what we do have uh to deal with is that one there aren't there's only one real female in this there's only one female character at all i mean there is the pregnant lady and there are (laughs) women in the background
1: (laughs) screaming the the pregnant lady who is like
0: apparently drunk off her ass a lot of the times even though she's pregnant and she asks her boss for permission to go drink while pregnant it's weird Uh, he says that baby could tend bar yeah fetal alcohol syndrome is not a fucking joke (laughs) um there are three black characters Mm -hmm. um i think you know we get argyle who's in a service industry but he's shown as young so because he's young it's hard to say like well did they put a black character in the service role, or is it just a young guy in a service role? And a young guy's obviously going to be in a service role unless he has a college education? You have right you have the uh, veteran cop who's still um, you know riding around as just a patrol officer when he could probably be a detective. Mm -hmm. But we get an explanation for that and it adds depth to the character. So it's not, I don't think there's a race issue there. And then one of the smartest terrorists is Walker, Texas Rangers, best friend.
1: That's true. Yeah, that's true. He, yeah, he's smart. He,
0: um, he survives as far as I understand. He doesn't get killed by Argyle in the base Mm -hmm. or in the basement. So um, I, I think, Race doesn't play much of an issue into this, but a fear of foreigners does for sure. Sure. I like the character of Argyle a lot too,
1: because I feel like, because for like 99% of the movie, Argyle is like separated from the action, but he's listening in on the, on the walkie talkie and stuff. Yeah. Just hanging out. Yeah. I feel like Argyle is like us watching the movie. It's like he's he's in the movie, but he's watching the movie unfold with us.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, like, it cuts to reactions of him hearing what's going on in the radio. Like, yeah, he's our way in. Like, we snuck into this building with him. We're just hanging out, finding out what's going on.
1: Yeah. Totally so, man, totally. And, you know, with the characters in this movie, I feel like the way that their backstories and personalities and stuff are revealed is is done extremely, extremely well. I don't feel like there is... A lot of really, you know, crappy, lazy exposition in this flick. Yeah. It's it's a lot of them showing us, not telling us stuff. You know, like, I mean, for example, whenever, um, you know, Bruce Willis shows up at Nakatomi mm-hmm. and he's going through the registry, and she has changed her last name back to her maiden name. And like, okay, yeah, they're they're having trouble and stuff.
0: Yeah, it 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 starts from the beginning, yeah. like. It, it starts from um, the guy telling him to take his shoes off and curl his toes. That's going to play huge yeah. throughout the movie. Uh, exactly. Him pull, him pulling down that huge teddy bear. We mm-hmm. know now he has kids. Like the moment mm-hmm. he pulls off that teddy bear, it's like, oh, he has kids. Like you, you never, he never has to say it. It never has to come up until they have the one, the only exposition dump in this movie is when he Uh, the uh, East coast cop who doesn't know how to ride in a limo and sits next to the driver Mm -hmm. um, has that conversation with Argyle. But what that conversation also does more than just giving us exposition, it tells us uh, that Argyle is bright. He, he picks up on small clues and it tells us that John McClain is sad about his situation. Mm -hmm. he, He's not happy that his wife is is separated from him and his kids. Like he's 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 sad about this. He wants this to work. Yeah. Yeah, exactly,
1: man. Exactly. Yeah, there's so much little stuff like that in this flick that that pays off. Like, you know, again, I've seen this flick a million times, but uh, and this might be a dumb thing, but I actually just noticed this time that the whole reason that bruce willis is barefoot the whole movie like you mentioned is because that guy on the flight was like yeah take your shoes off and you know scrunch your toes up in the carpet or whatever yeah that's the whole reason he's barefoot the whole
0: fucking movie and that's the thing too is that he doesn't take off his shoes and there's no explanation it shows him take off his shoes uh he does the you know uh bending his his toes in the carpet and he goes huh work like he says like it works so like that pays off but then the fact that he's barefoot pays off and, and we get that payoff without any exposition, too, because Hans Gruber could say, shoot out the windows, he's barefoot, but mm-hmm. he doesn't. He just says, shoot out the windows. The yeah. reason they shoot out the windows is because he's barefoot. Now he has to walk through all that glass. Yep. Now they can track him. It's all like genius. It like comes together so well.
1: I know, man. And that's the thing about this flick, too, that really sticks out to me is because a lot of the stuff that you see in this flick of... People that are just trying to do something to help, like uh-huh. him telling him to take off his shoes and stuff, yeah, actually ends up hurting him later on. But then yes, also a lot of the stuff that people do in this movie that seems like it's a dick move, like uh-huh. how his wife uses you know her maiden name,
0: yeah, comes it back to help. The, him. Yeah, it helps them a lot. The fact that she's a dedicated working woman who knows that using her maiden name is going to help her in business, not only Again, as I said, she is right from the beginning and remains right throughout. Yeah. Not only that, but it also serves to keep her hidden yep. from from the terrorists. It's great. Because exactly.
1: if she would have had McLean as her last name, she would yeah, have become an known. instant liability and an instant uh-huh. uh, you know, pawn that the terrorists could have used to be like, hey, we have your wife. Obviously, it's her because she has the same last name as you and so on.
0: That's a... R- a way there is a way to play a hostage situation in which the hostage is the wife or the child of the person trying to save them. Yeah, there's a way to play that that can be good. Have you ever seen the Bruce Willis movie Hostage? <laughs> I have not
1: seen Hostage. Is it great? dude? It's fucking awesome. <laughs> it's the okay. best Die Hard sequel. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and it's not a Die Hard <laughs> sequel, but dude, seriously, Hostage is like one of the more underrated action flicks ever. It's fucking I'll have to badass, check that out. dude. It's yeah. awesome. But you know, another one too that stuck out to me in this flick about, you know, again, one of those small details that comes back later. Again, to help, even though it seems like a dick move at first. So who's our cokehead lawyer guy? Uh, Ellis. Ellis. So Ellis is bragging to Bruce Willis earlier on in the movie about how he bought holly that watch and he's like yeah it's a rolex. a rolex yeah at the very end of the movie whenever hans gruber is hanging on holly's arm out the window
0: it's the watch holy shit i didn't think watch. about that
1: right and it's like he undoes that watch to let yeah. hans gruber go
0: there is i mean there is the the development of the holly character is simply that she is willing to forgive him yeah. for Underestimating her—that's—that's—that's that's a good way that's to put it. Yeah, the only development, and that—that that could be the sign of the moment when she is fully able to forgive him. When she lets go—I mean, she doesn't let go of the watch, but when the watch leaves her wrist, it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not fully convicted in only being a businesswoman. I also want my husband to be here with me. Yeah, yeah. So like, she, she had gotten used to I guess the fact that he wasn't there and now she is open to the idea of him being back which Mm -hmm. is is as long as he will move to LA that's it like she she's her development is very minor and is very dependent on his choice to do what she asked so that's I mean it's hard to write a character that way honestly like it's hard to keep a character almost static but mm-hmm. because she has that depth of, one, she she's the one who approaches Hans, like, about some of the things that the hostages need. Um, she's, she's unflinching. Like, she's not afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so we see her as this strong character. And the only development you can have with a strong character is them showing some weakness or some openness. And that's what we get from her. But with John he learns like I guess it takes being about to die for him to give up his pride and he has that conversation with Al where he's telling her him like hey uh, can you tell my wife you know I, I should have moved out here with her uh, I'm sorry etc like he he his development took being about to die yeah and hers is a more intellectual just like oh i realize like he he has his positive elements and he's obviously a good person if only he would move out to la it would be good
1: now that's the thing too is the way that bruce willis's character uh in this movie is is in so many ways it's like the quintessential 80s action hero but actually also it is the complete opposite of the 80s action hero because vulnerable Yes, exactly, exactly, man. And it's like, whereas, you know, again, in a movie like Commando or Predator or something like that, you've got these guys that are like, you know, seven feet tall and fucking (laughs) jacked up, just ripped, shredded, and they have, (laughs) you know, giant muscles and they have like rocket launchers and machine guns and blah, blah, blah. It's like, in this movie, you've got Bruce Willis, again, Mm -hmm. former Moonlighting star. Yeah. Who is in a, a dirty undershirt. And barefoot the entire movie and is a lot of times hiding and is scared yeah. for a lot of the movie. Like he is, uh, don't be me wrong, he's badass. But at the same yeah. time, it's like he is not, you know, running in guns blazing and all this kind of no. shit. A lot of the movie is him like hiding and sneaking around and skulking around because he is outnumbered and outgunned in so many ways. And it's really cool to me to see that that, that that, that worked. I feel like... You know, probably if this movie would have come out five years earlier, people wouldn't have been ready no. enough for that no. because people yeah. wanted Arnold and Stallone and Van Dam uh. just fucking being invincible and kicking ass. Yeah. But it's like, could you imagine? Could you imagine like, you know, Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger like stepping on glass and having bloody feet and pulling glass out of their feet and wincing and
0: Yeah, I mean, they you only could imagine it. Generally, in any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, he gets semi-hurt just mm-hmm. so he can go, ah, ah! Yeah. <laughs> but, like, it never has lasting effect. Like, no. Yeah, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, they are infallible heroes that are never hurt. And that's why Die Hard works is because it helps us put ourselves in... Like, we all want to be the action star... You know, we want to be the person that's just right and everyone else is wrong. Yeah. And we make all the right choices and we're invulnerable and everything's fine. But that's not life. And you see a person who he has his skills, his detective skills, which he uses well. He uses his, uh, you know, ability to orientate himself, which he, you know, isn't something they announce, but it just shows him like when he walks past the Playboy centerfold. Mm-hmm. And the first time he's just like, Oh boobs. But then the next time he's like, okay, he like touches it. Like I know where I'm at. I know where this is. Like he, he's getting an idea of everything and yeah, he's, he's figuring he's, it out. Yeah. Yeah. He, but he doesn't just know it. He's figuring it out. And that's what we get later with like the born movies. Like mm-hmm. born is a ultimate badass, mm-hmm. but we also have to see him figuring things out. Uh, and- whereas with, few uh former action movies it was all just they just got it they figured it out it was all figured out from the beginning of time
1: and that point that you just made about the the playboy centerfold hanging up on that in that hallway and stuff there is one of my it's one of my favorite things about this movie is the way that it uses small physical markers to remind you of where you are um i have a problem in movies a lot of times of like if there's a whole bunch of different locales and stuff going on or a ton of different characters, I lose track really easily.
0: Yeah. And it it really is easy when it's just pipes and stuff like, yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And when you're dealing with a gigantic skyscraper with like a hundred stories and you know, half of them are under construction and stuff like this, it's so easy to lose track of like, okay, if he goes down the staircase, he's going to be right here where this other guy is. But yeah, this movie you know even though it takes place over i can't even tell you how many different floors of the building i would assume at least eight or so
0: yeah it's like 30 they lock the elevators at 29 so it's 30 and above i think there are a few floors for sure yeah
1: and there's always great you know breadcrumbs for you to follow it's like you know where that poster is you know where yeah um who's the head of the corporation who gets his like you know head splattered all over the wall whatever oh right i don't
0: remember his name but
1: yeah Uh uh-huh but you see the big blood splatter on that glass wall and you know where that is
0: okay yeah we're we're back where he got shot and by the way that that scene is like hans gruber up to that point had shown that he was meticulous and that Mm -hmm. he was intelligent but he shows right there that he's ruthless oh fucking frigid yeah It just makes it makes the character at that point the moment he just shoots him and that's it oh yeah and he's not affected by it he's just like okay you know let's figure out how to get into that vault without him like exactly it's just ruthless but yeah like the way it orients you by using familiar things over and over Mm -hmm. but it also has like new areas where he walks in where there are all those computer servers and stuff and that's where all the the windows get shot out yeah exactly well and you know it reminds me a lot of of the
1: shining in the same way where the shining even though it takes place in that gigantic overlook hotel it's like you can show me a swatch of carpet or wallpaper yeah and i can tell you where it is (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) man like that's a movie that uses Physical markers Mm -hmm. to inform you of where you are in a gigantic space that you've never been in. And it's like, dude, in an office building like the Nakatomi Plaza, it's like, Mm -hmm. it would be so easy for this all just to blend in and for this to all be completely unrecognizable or featureless. You know what I mean? It's an industrial building. Um, But they were so clever in the way that they planted those physical markers, like the poster and so on to let you know exactly where you are. I think that's a definite very strong point of this movie when it comes to the set design and stuff.
0: Yeah, I I really have trouble finding problems with this movie. Like, I, know. I know there are problems. One I would say is that um that conversation between uh Hans and and John McClane on the roof where mm-hmm. you know you have the fact that just seconds before, Hans was on the 30th floor and he mentioned nothing about going to the roof. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, the reason why they wrote that in, it wasn't even in the shooting script. <laughs> like, they, as you said, they were working on the script as they went. This wasn't even the shooting script, they just found out Alan Rickman can do a passable American accent.
1: Oh, And they right. sort of yeah, wrote yeah.
0: it on the day, like they just sort of wrote it as it happened. Um apparently what you're seeing on screen is like a a first take, like
1: one take. Like this is what would happen if these two characters of Gruber and McLean met and they didn't know who each other were and they were both feeling it out like Yeah. It's an awesome, awesome bit in the movie that is so fucking tense, man, where you're like, Oh my god, yeah.
0: It's really tense, but I'll tell you this. Uh, they were um, too impressed by Alan Rickman's American accent because it's not good. And, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, okay, yeah. And, he, like, it seems like when he's walking back toward where his gun is, like, why didn't he just keep walking? Because John wasn't going to shoot him. Like, because he thought he wasn't one of the terrorists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, why didn't he just true, keep walking and grab the gun? Like, the the scene to me is a the weaker point of the movie, but it also has what you just said that real great element and that's why they included it and, and used it where they're feeling each other out and and john seems to be suspicious and and we obviously get the fact that he's suspicious because he hands him a gun but the gun's not loaded so
1: mm-hmm. yeah which is such a cool move too it's like he's just handing him that fucking gun as a as a test
0: Yeah, he wanted to find out. is this guy for sure. And then, yeah, he finds out this is my villain. So you do have a a cool, like, meeting of the the hero and the villain mid-movie. But I don't know that it was fully necessary. I think it probably could have just been cut. And, I, I mean, you also have some smaller issues that I don't think play much. Um... And the fact that they give so much uh, like deference to Al, like all the cops, when they get there, they give so much deference to Al mm-hmm. on the scene. Like he's not a commanding officer or anything, but everybody's going to him for mm-hmm. answers. Like if at first they're going to him to answer for answers because he's first on the scene. That makes sense. But they keep going back to him. And the way he talks to his like superior officer is like, OK, that wouldn't fly. There's no mm-hmm. way that would fly. <laughs> but Still, it it works. It works great. The fact is that you have one smart cop talking to another smart cop in the building. And I wanted to ask you this. Is this a buddy cop movie?
1: You know, kind of. Because really, even though they don't necessarily get to be side by side kicking ass, I mean uh bruce willis and carl winslow are just kind of attached uh-huh. via walkie-talkie but they do kind of help each other kick ass and they are both mm-hmm. cops
0: yeah and al calls him partner twice it's true like, and it does have like it doesn't fit the mold of the buddy cop movie like 48 hours or beverly hills cop it doesn't fit it exactly mm-hmm. but it plays off of it Instead of having uh, one sort of rookie cop who doesn't know what they're doing, you have a cop who is not able to get into the situation. So, mm-hmm. like, he's just providing um, support. He's just there to be supportive and to help in in a similar way that a rookie cop in a buddy cop movie does. But he's not a rookie. He's very He's very smart. He knows what he should do, but he never really gives too much of a like this is what you need to do john like he he's just sort of on his side he realizes that john is also smart and he trusts him so it's like a buddy cop movie if the cops were like if lethal weapon were about two sane and rational cops who got into that situation yeah
1: what would they do right (laughs) now in addition to the question of is this a buddy cop movie i've got to ask you steve the immortal eternal question is this christmas movie
0: yes if you say it's not a christmas movie you are wrong it has christmas music playing throughout pay attention Mm -hmm. to the music Uh, christmas music playing throughout it is about a christmas party it happens at christmas and a christmas miracle brings a family together at the end it's christmas well and too like
1: i even like and again this is something i only noticed this time around watching the flick but even at the end of the movie even though this is in you know sunny los angeles california yeah at the very end of the movie after you know uh we have the defeat of the terrorists and all that kind of stuff Uh uh-huh all of those uh bear bonds are flying through the air and stuff (laughs) it's literally it's like snowing bear bonds what it's a christmas miracle it's a Christmas, a festivist miracle. Exactly. Snow in Los Angeles for Christmas. It's like little <laughs> stuff like that that reminds you over and over. Yeah, this is a Christmas movie.
0: It is a Christmas movie. And and it ends so happy for everyone. Yeah. I mean, not the terrorists, um, not really. obviously. But uh, John and Holly seem to be back together. And uh, Die Hard 2 would tell us that they are. Mm-hmm. um john has learned his weakness that's that's actually the arc of john McClane is that he's learned his weakness and that weakness is that he's bullheaded and stubborn yeah his weakness has nothing to do with his police work <laughs> he's a great policeman obviously like, he does just fine in police work he's a stubborn guy who can be wrong and needs to admit it um al who uh has that great um you know monologue about how he shot a kid um so weird how relevant that is now by the yeah, way Yeah, I know. I know. Um and, and but the fact is that they had a black cop say it and you watch it now and you're like well oh, that should be a white cop saying that. Like that would be mm. it would be now if a white cop were saying that it would be Like, people would be upset about it, I think. Some people would be like, hey, that's not cool. Like, white cops do shoot teenager, even 12-year-old African-American kids. Yeah. But at the same time, the way that it affects him could give us some, like, insight maybe into that psyche, which is what this does for us. It gives us insight into Al's psyche, but i don't think it had as much effect in 88 as it would have now sure well i mean neither
1: would fucking terrorists and blowing up buildings and shit. that's true
0: actually die hard is still such a relevant movie god damn it yeah it's like strangely prophetic ridiculously relevant um but that that, the way he uh overcomes that is he has to shoot is it carl is that the black or not the black uh, the the I think Carl uh, is the guys. one that
1: gets the. He's the one that's wearing the sweatsuit and gets the ho, ho, ho. I've got a machine gun. Okay.
0: okay, yeah. This so is brother. Yeah,
1: Carl's brother. Carl
0: is the one who looks like Jeffrey Dahmer, and the brother yeah. is the one. <laughs> he totally looks like. Tom he <laughs> does. And the brother <laughs> is the one with the silken blonde hair. Um, Correct, yeah. Who won't die. <laughs> no, like he's at all.
1: unkillable.
0: But Al kills him at the end, and, and like, that's Al's arc, is Al, like, he's a patrol officer, and he doesn't want to advance because he doesn't want to ever be in a situation again where he has to pull his gun, Mm -hmm. and now here he is in this situation. He has to pull his gun, and he does it, and he's effective, and Al has grown. So, like, all of our main characters have grown or died, yeah, (laughs) which is exactly what you need at the end of a, a good, like christmas movie i think (laughs) like you you need everyone to have grown and to come together or to have died off and get the hell out of here
1: yeah exactly exactly man so i i think this is very thoroughly through and through a Krimbus movie
0: yeah um let's talk about the sequels for a second okay um i had never watched any of the sequels so i i watched die hard 2 it can go fuck a duck like okay i've
1: never seen die hard 2 i've seen die hard 3 with the sam jackson but die hard 2 is like in an
0: airport or something right die hard 2 is obviously playing off of the uh airport action movies from the 70s mm-hmm. um it is directed by Rennie harlan who has directed one good movie in a million bad movies his good movie was the dream master i was gonna say dream master, nightmare on elm yep. street 4 yeah, yeah. And a bunch of shit. Um, yeah, a lot of garbage. It really loses every good thing about the first movie. And Damn. here's the interesting thing: Die Hard One, uh, Roger Ebert gave it a two out of four stars. Die what Hard Moron. 2, Die Hard Two, he gave like a four Sorry, three or four. Like a he said, idiot. it was a much better movie, etc. He's way off. Huh. Um, Die Hard Three's fine. Yeah, I mean, pretty it's pretty good. Not, it's not great. But it's fine. Um, I didn't get into the other two, the Justin Long and Mary Elizabeth Winstead one. Uh, I I didn't see, and I, I've never even uh, thought about watching Live Free or Die Hard, but I hear it's bad.
1: I saw the fourth one, and I thought it was okay. I thought that it seemed like one of those movies where it was just like, which I believe it was, written as just something completely different, and then they were like, hey, let's just make it a Die Hard movie and put John McClane yeah. in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And I
1: heard that the fifth one is just a fucking dumpster fire of a movie and is just completely horrible.
0: I I just think that this was never meant to be a franchise. Like, when you have such a good closing of all the storylines and you see these two come together, the only way to do it after that is for it to be a Beverly Hills cop type thing where you have Carl Winslow and, and Bruce Willis on the street, figuring something out in LA or whatever. Yeah. But because, uh, because Reginald Vell Johnson had gotten, um, family matters. It, it, die hard two was 1990. So two years after this 1989, he gets family matters die hard two. They only get him like, he's only in a brief scene where, um, John McClane calls him. Because he's got a popular-ass television show to do. So if you can't get him back, and if you're only going to deal with Bonnie Bedelia as someone in a plane, which is what happens in Die 2, she's just up in a plane the whole time, mm. if you're only going to have her doing that, like just don't even do it. There's no reason, if you can't bring your characters together... The way they were and then separate them. That's what you do with a sequel. You have your characters come together in the first and then you separate them in the second. Mm-hmm. But they're separated the entire time throughout the second movie. And they only like uh, Al never comes back and the the ending is basically um john and and holly hugging but like she's not been a part of the movie she's just been off in a plane the whole time it's it's really annoying
1: huh well now let me ask you there steve because i know some of the sequels might be weak but have you ever played the Die Hard trilogy game for playstation one
0: no i haven't is it awesome it's
1: fucking awesome dude and it's so funny too because like this was in the age where Basically every licensed you know movie video game was what a shit? pile of dog shit. Yeah, just fucking horrible, dude. Die Hard trilogy for PlayStation One is awesome. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a quick rundown on it because you would really you would really enjoy it. So it's basically three games in one. Okay, uh, much like the trilogy, and every. Every installment of the trilogy is a different gameplay style. So whenever you play Die Hard, it is a third-person, you know, over-the-shoulder perspective uh-huh. game where you are going through the many floors of Nakatomi Plaza and you're shooting terrorists and you are saving hostages and defusing bombs and stuff, right? Uh-huh. Die Hard 2 is an on rails shooter, you know, where it's it's first person and you're just controlling a crosshair. It's kind of like the Terminator shooting game, you know. Yeah. And you're going through the airport and stuff. Okay. Um, doing a lot of stuff that you just absolutely could not put in video games today, like going through an airport with a machine gun and like shooting <laughs> civilians. It's really well, gory too. It's really bloody. They did put
0: that in Call of Duty Modern Modern Warfare.
1: Oh I mean, um, yeah, people went nuts over that.
0: Yeah, they did. So anyway it's true and then die
1: hard 3 is a driving game it's almost kind of like crazy taxi only you're driving all over town and like defusing bombs and there's like cars that have bombs in them that you have to like run off the road and stuff like that uh-huh all the while mowing down civilians walking on sidewalks and stuff sounds like grand theft auto it kind of is yeah it really kind <laughs> of is only that game came out for around fucking, that for time fucking ever ago yeah i think like yeah. 97 or 96 yeah, something like that man. it's a good game man and it's one of those it ones where awesome there's good. you know it, it's way brutal and way gory and there's some fun like cheat codes and stuff like that you can use to make the game even more fun so awesome yeah, that's a good one of the rare good licensed movie games from that time period
0: now ben you said something to me before we started this when we were doing our little production meeting uh, you said that Die Hard is the Guns and Roses of 80s action flicks. And I, yes. I want to hear more about this.
1: That's correct. I feel that this movie is the Guns and Roses of 80s action flicks. So what I mean by that is in the hair metal era... You know, when you had Poison, and you had uh-huh. Motley Crue, and Brittany Fox, and you had all this, like, super glamorous, glitzy, mm-hmm. you know, guys in makeup, and spandex, and high kicks, and all this kind of stuff.
0: Kissy faces, et cetera, yeah.
1: <laughs> exactly. All the stuff that I love and make money doing. <laughs> <laughs> then you had Guns N' Roses that came along, and Guns N' Roses wasn't really like that. Like
0: No. They They
1: looked more like fucking street toughs and stuff. Like they wore leather and jeans and chains and and stuff like that. But they were still like kind of glam in a way. Yeah, Axl Rose is like very pretty and stuff. And they had enough of what people had been experiencing for the past, you know, let's say six or seven or eight years in the hair metal, glam metal scene. Yeah. But at the same time, it was edgy and different enough that people that hated all that shit could still get into it. So it's like they were totally there at that right place and that right time, where they were glam enough for the hair metal crowd to get into it, and they were, you know, punk and rotten yeah. enough for the rocker crowd and punk crowd to get into them too.
0: Yeah. So they they like laid ground for like Skid Row and and yeah. bands like that that were
1: and even allison chains and shit yeah yeah, they
0: laid ground for grunge for sure yeah
1: and i feel like this movie is kind of the same way where if you had been spending you know your time in the theaters in the 80s watching commando and watching predator and watching all that kind of stuff where it's yeah you know big badass men doing badass stuff and blowing shit up and all that yeah
0: over the top everything's over the top like hair yeah
1: exactly exactly like that like you could go watch this movie and have enough familiar elements and be like yeah that was badass while not really realizing that the star of the movie wasn't anything like that that he was yeah like you said vulnerable and didn't know what was going on and was just trying to figure it out and fucking survive like he wasn't he wasn't trying to kill everybody he was just trying to fucking survive
0: yeah, exactly. If he was trying to kill everybody, he would have just came down the elevator and started shooting with yeah. all the hostages in the same room. But no, he yep. was trying to keep the hostages safe, specifically his wife. But he, he's obviously a good cop. He's trying to keep everyone else safe.
1: Yeah. And I yeah. feel like this movie was was kind of the same way as, as Guns N' Roses in that way, where like mm-hmm. I said, it was familiar enough that the old crowd got into it and it was different enough that people that didn't like all that kind of shit could get into it as well. It was just totally a perfect storm of right place, right time. Um, Yeah. All the stars aligned and, and it took from what was before it and it influenced so much of everything that was after it.
0: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, as as far as hair metal goes, I, I don't, listen to a ton regularly but i do listen to guns and roses all the time so Hell yeah um so yeah I, I would say this this movie like i watched these 80s action movies as i said i, I watched a bunch of them i still love them and there are a ton that i on i made a list of action movies that are from the 80s that i just want to re-watch that i i loved and i haven't even gotten to them and i know i still love these but i know they don't stand the test of time hmm commando doesn't predator right. might but it probably doesn't mm-hmm. probably um, helps for- we
1: grew up with it and shit
0: yeah 48 hours definitely doesn't lethal weapon eh. aliens is still good but mm-hmm. i would say aliens yeah. is you know uh, is is an action movie aliens is definitely less of a sci-fi movie and more of an action movie oh totally uh, uh all the indiana jones movies like I I can still watch the first three, but the only one that I still really like is the Last Crusade. <laughs> like so good, I don't, man! It is so good. I like. It, it is like hair metal, where if you go back through it, it's like well, some of these aren't that great, but there were just so many, and they were like these huge movies. You would go see them, and they were loud and they were big, and it, I I guess. Having a big television at home and a nice sound system at home, it's like, I don't need that. any. I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want to go see loud and big. Um, I have loud and big at home. And you know what? Most everything loud and big now is all computers. And you don't even get to see the moment where... Uh, a person looks like they normally look, and then it looks like an obviously different person in a wig, and then they look like they normally look again. I miss <laughs> Which that. We love. Die Hard has tons of that. When Carl slides down the the stairs on the the rails, oh it's yeah. so like obvious that it is a completely different person. When um, uh, uh, John is is fighting the German dude on the roof, it's so obvious they're two different people. Like it's just oh yeah i mean i understand that's corny and it sucks to notice that obviousness but god it's so much better than cgi it's well, so much thing, more though, interesting is like,
1: even when you know that it's a different person than the movie star that you're falling through the movie it's you still it's know that person. it's a person exactly Yeah, they
0: did that <laughs>
1: and it's like, like whenever you see okay you know two things about hans gruber's fall for one that completely priceless expression that you see on alan Rickman's That's face That's for real. It's real. Yeah, cuz he yeah. was like he he had said that, you know, he would be 20 25 feet up in the air, you know, behind a blue screen and fall into an airbag. Yeah. to do that shot cuz it's just the only way to do that and make it look right. And you know, they're like, "Okay, we're going to drop you on the count of 3." And then they dropped him on 1.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that facial And it was, expression and it was higher than he thought it was going to be, too it's awesome so when you yeah. see that
1: look on his face like, he's fucking oh, scared shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah and then when it cuts out to that long shot of you know a body falling from 25 stories up that's because yeah. that's a body falling from 25 from stories 25
0: up. stories up onto yeah like, it's insane it that looks badass it does i understand like uh the benefit of cgi because all of these stuntmen were risking their lives for oh, yeah a very minimum amount of money honestly you'd be surprised how little they make for for doing that sure but god it looks good I, it does <laughs> i would say i would rather they get paid well and you keep doing that than cgi though like i uh, i mean i can't i can't fully dis cgi it's obviously brought us some really good movies oh yeah i mean the
1: marvel movies would not be possible yeah. without it
0: but then you you have movies like Mad Max Fury Road. And it's like almost all of this is practical. Like mm-hmm. ha- how how do you how do you reconcile the the practicality of one of the best action movies of all time? Fuck, uh, yeah. Making that clear. Mad Max Fury Road, one of the best Same. action movies of top all time. Top 3, top 3. Yeah, how do you reconcile that they can do that? But you can't even, like, have a guy jump 10 feet without it being a computer. Like, I know.
1: I know, man. It, it You can't tell me it looks better.
0: No, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't. But uh, it, it gets more movies out, and that's nice, but it also gets a ton of bullshit out. Like, yeah. if, you, <laughs> if you go through the 90s, there are some real good action movies, but there are tons of just shit piles because when you watch them now, all you see is the cgi like you can't horrible cgi yeah yeah. you can't pay attention to anything else and so if you want an action movie to stand the test of time which is generally not the desire of people making action movies but if you want a movie an action movie to stand the test of time you do practical effects you do good story and you do good actors you don't go for the biggest person you go for the person who can make the the character relatable
1: which is exactly what Bruce did in this fucking movie
0: yeah real interesting I I I think we're winding down here but real interesting point is that Stephen D'Souza wrote um Die Hard with the with Hans Gruber as the protagonist like he wrote it, it within his mind he wanted he wanted Hans Gruber to have a full protagonist arc but he then like he then went back and made it about john mcclane so what you get is a fully realized villain like a villain hmm. who who goes through shit who changes who becomes different but at the same time is that same badass like i don't care i'm cold i will kill at the drop of a hat but like he he develops this respect for john mcclane that you don't see happen a lot with with villains in other movies. I mean, if you're talking about a James Bond movie, all Bond villains immediately have respect for James Bond. But like mm-hmm. in most movies, the villain is generally just like, "Who's this asshole trying to get in my way?" Mm-hmm. Whereas uh Gruber learns who that asshole is and he learns that he's really like bright and knows what he's doing and he does need to to keep his attention on him. And Still at the end, underestimates him, and that's where he fails. That's, I mean, that's the moment when he falls off a building. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: too true, man. It's true. It's very true. It's not like a super paper thin. This is the good guy. He fights against the bad guy. Uh huh. <laughs> kind of movie. He, yeah, you he get goes to know boom, those boom, characters. And the bad
0: guys fall.
1: Yeah, yeah. You get to know the characters, and you get to know their. Respect for each other in a lot of ways, which is, uh, you know, again, something that set the tone for so many action movies that followed this that we did not see in, let's say, your average Van Damme movie or something like that, man. I think it's an incredible flick that was very ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Um, Mm -hmm. If it came later, it wouldn't have been as effective. If it came earlier, it would not have been as effective.
0: Yeah, it probably wouldn't have uh, found an audience. Um, if it had come earlier, everyone would have been like, "No, I want big and and strong and muscles."
1: Like, exactly, exactly, man. Well, what's your overall final thoughts about this flick and your your rating on this thing, Steve?
0: Okay, well, um, this is an awesome movie. I think I've said it a million times. Uh, awesome characters, everything works out well. Uh, I have no problems with it. I am, I am convinced that among action movies it is the it is the tip of the 80s action movie spear it is what yeah. all 80s action movies were building to and all movies after it were responding all action movies after it were responding to it sure i mean that kind of became like a trope where it's like oh speed is like diehard on a bus yeah
1: exactly
0: exactly by the way uh, just a quick point i want is that uh Jan de bont director of Speed and Twister, was the cinematographer for this movie. Oh. uh And Jan de bont has one of the most interesting Hollywood careers of all time. He directed He directed Speed and Twister. And then he um directed Speed 2, which is terrible. Yeah. And, and um then he directed uh another movie and then the uh second or third tomb raider ooh <laughs> yeah and then that was it like his his directing career was basically over um and then he committed seppuku and honorably honorably left this world yeah so <laughs> yeah i don't know like this is definitely i think one of the pinnacles of of action movies yeah for me it's hard to find anything to complain about so uh it's a 10 for me
1: yeah i can i can totally totally side with that man i'm with you because it is just it's one of those movies where you know like i said with some of the little flaws like the ambulance and then like the you know the rigging of the c4 when the fuck did that happen Um, yeah I don't know
0: yeah it doesn't make sense yeah
1: I like to think Nakatomi Plaza was an inside job you know (laughs) (laughs) but you know there's little there's little things like that that you can pick apart about it but I mean you know again to take it back to Guns N' Roses it's kind of like going back and complaining about how some of the playing on Appetite for Destruction is sloppy it's like who the fuck cares (laughs) it's badass yeah you know, it's like it, everything is sold so well that you completely buy it. You don't really... The filmmakers didn't second-guess it, and you don't second-guess it either. You just kind of kind of go with it because it is so well done. Um, it's fascinating to see how well this movie did, like we said, work upon its influences while also building upon them in a way that none of those flicks had done um, and influenced other flicks that would follow it and stuff, too. I think it's fantastic. Awesome soundtrack, really well used soundtrack and stuff at the movie. Very memorable characters, even little side characters like the little side terrorist dudes. Uh huh. All memorable in some way or another. Uh, even though there's many locations in the movie, all memorable. Well, I say many locations. It's all in one building, but you know what I mean. All the different. There, there are and stuff.
0: many, many locations. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think it would have been so easy for this to be a pile of shit, but. Man Alive, they really did The Impossible. They pulled it off and made a super, super memorable and enjoyable movie that is standing the test of time. So, man, I I really want to complain about something, but I can't help but give it a 10. It's a fucking 10, Hail,
0: man. Yeah, Die Hail Hard. Hail Satan. <laughs> <laughs> die Hard gets the Hail Satan Award.
1: Well, Steve, next week, let's let's go ahead and return back to our our main objective of this podcast and do some horror
0: flicks. Now, this oh, is going to be the you, first... Oh, what was that? I, I thought you were going to say our main objective of this, which is to talk about Sam Neill. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that that does seem to be kind uh, of the primary <laughs> objective yep. of this show.
1: <laughs> we do end up talking about Sam Neill a lot, and we're going to continue doing that with our first episode. It's the first episode of 2018, right? Yeah. We're gonna be covering a hotly, hotly requested dead and lovely listener choice, and we're gonna be covering motherfucking event horizon.
0: Yeah. I'm yeah. really
1: excited to cover this movie. I watched it for the first time, I think just about a year or two ago. Okay. And I fucking love it, man. It is a it is a true sci fi horror movie.
0: Yeah, it really is. And I I love how it straddles that line so well. Like mm-hmm. it it is it is um if, if re- it really goes into an element of horror that isn't covered a ton, mm-hmm. which is the concept of hell. Like we we talk we've talked about demons, we've talked about possession. Yeah. But this is about hell. Like <laughs> hell. Mm. Um metal, metal yeah it's metal as shit and it's also very much sci-fi because uh you know it's in space
1: it's like the best doom movie that was never made
0: exactly it's exactly (laughs) it. it's the best
1: doom (laughs) movie that was never made exactly so i'm really excited to be covering that on the show next week steve in the meantime where can these folks find us on them internets
0: Well, you can always email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. Love getting those emails. And Mm. uh, you can find us uh, on Instagram and Twitter at deadlovelypod. We also have a Facebook group.
1: Wonderful. And you guys can suggest and recommend movies for us to watch and cover on the show. You guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ben Eller Guitars. Steve, where where can they find you on them
0: outlets? (laughs) at steven spratling you know how to spell it is that with a v it is it's with a v and a p oh now you guys
1: can uh also please do us a big old favor go on itunes rate and review our show we put a lot of time into watching movies and recording and editing and uploading and posting and all that kind of jazz and it's uh, of course it's all completely for free it's all for you damien And so the least you could do for us would be to go on iTunes and write us a short G-rated review. That way it'll get posted and uh, review our show. So please go on iTunes. It just takes a second. You can do it from your phone. Rate and review our podcast. We'd appreciate that. Well, you guys have been absolutely just goddamn delightful. And we'll be seeing you guys next week. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I'm Uncle Ben, signing off.
0: I'm Hollywood Steve saying good night. Delilah, Delilah. <laughs> Fucker <laughs>